We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast tuesday december 27 2022 merry christmas happy holidays to everyone listening to the pack a day podcast i hope santa claus was good to you uh, on Christmas Day, he was good to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Packers come away with a sizable victory, and uh, the Undertaker meme is in full effect right now. The Packers are alive. We talked a bunch about how well they were four and eight. Now they're six and eight, but it was Chicago and uh, Skeleton Rams team. And how much does that really mean? And I believe it might have been Ross. Somebody said to me, "Talk to me after they play Miami." Well. They did play Miami, and they did beat Miami on the road in a game where uh, we'll get some takes from you guys on this, but I think they handed in a relative C-minus type of performance. It wasn't the greatest, not the prettiest of aesthetics type of win for the Packers, but a win nonetheless. We're back. I finally have the full crew. I feel like if the Los Angeles Rams were able to bring back Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford all in one, you can debate amongst yourselves which one of us is which. But I'm your host tonight. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am joined by one of my usual co-hosts, Mr. Stack, uh, not recording from a prison cell, uh, working on a remodel here. So if we ever get a video chance at this again, it won't look like, like I said, he's doing it uh, from the inside of an outhouse or something like that. But Mr. Morley, how are we feeling? 
Feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling alive. Feeling very alive today. Feeling maybe even a little bit frisky and alive, just like the Green Bay Packers. Speaking of frisky, we're joined also by Ross Uglum. Ross, how you doing, buddy? Yes. Most present and accounted for. That was a petanism if I ever heard one. So, yes, welcome everybody to the show. The Packers win 26 to 20. I do want to start with a couple of, uh, we'll call them key decisions. Uh, we'll call them, you know, big, bigger moments in the game, whatever you want to call it. And the first one I want to start with is this is a popular complaint on the internet every time it is not successful. Um, and the first one of the day was when the Packers line up, it's fourth and two. And they throw a deep ball to Christian Watson. Rodgers overshoots Watson by like 10 yards. And it it was a disgusting throw um, and not in a good way. And there were some other disgusting throws in a good way as that game progressed. But this was not one of them. But me, I was fine with what they did on that. I know the internet in general is just run the ball or just get the first down or something like that. But I I mean, I know for a fact, if you go back to the Dallas game, I think Watson's first touchdown came on a third and one where they didn't just get the first down, I use as my air quotes happened. I was okay with them taking a shot on that play. They got their best receiver lined up against Miami's worst corner. They got man coverage across the board. There was no safety back there, so it was cover zero. It's Watson beat your guy. Rodgers hit him. It's 17-10. Rodgers doesn't hit him. He did beat him. Yeah, everything, everything happened except for the last thing. The MVP quarterback doesn't hit his receiver, and instead of being 17-10, it's a turnover on downs. And, of course – when that happens is everyone's up in arms about how, why didn't they just run it? Why didn't they just get the first down? Why are they throwing the ball for 40 yards on fourth and two? To which I say, execute your play. And we're not even talking about this because the very next series, it's third and two. Rodgers and Dobbs not on the same page. Rodgers throws one out of bounds because Dobbs isn't in the right spot. Well, he threw it three yards. So that's not some magic elixir to get them a first down or anything like that. I was fine with them taking a shot on that play, especially when you consider this wasn't a hero ball, throw it up and hope to God his receiver comes down with it. It was they got what they wanted. They got the play designed for that defense that they wanted, and they got everything out of it that they could have asked for except for the throw. So I am more than okay with them taking that shot on fourth and two. I think the biggest thing, and this is – and I understand fandom certainly leads to this, and I'm guilty of it myself – is you just want to see something that works and what works is brilliant and what doesn't work, you know, the fake punt, which was terrible based on everything. But if it works, then LaFleur is a genius. They're lauded as being aggressive and blah, blah, you know, you just kind of go down the line that way. But when it doesn't work, then, then you're kind of an imbecile, but I was okay with it, even though it didn't work. Morley, what do you think? Yeah, I like it. I do it again. Do it every single time you have no one over the top with Christian Watson, because he's going to beat that guy nearly every single time. Just make your throw. Um, And You know, Rodgers was really upset after that throw, and I think he was upset at himself mostly because I don't know who else he would have been upset with. But Christian Watson is a tough, tough dude to overthrow, and Rodgers missed him by like eight yards. So um, I don't know if he was held or something earlier in the route. I really don't know, but uh, he just just missed him. And he missed him really – I said it – I said it on – I tweeted it, I guess, and – after the L.A. game, Rodgers, with a smirk on his face, I should add, uh, said, hey, if you want to catch touchdowns, you got to you got to run the right routes, um, is what he said about Christian Watson in the L.A. game when he wasn't on the same page with him. And then it was like today, it was like, well, if you want to 
throw touchdown passes, you got to hit the kid, you know, with a smirk on my face to Aaron because he had him twice. He had him on uh, the deep shot play on fourth and two. And then the little uh, slant, slant out, whatever they ran, whatever they ran that it, it hit Watson on the back shoulder. And I think I, I tweeted something out too and had a lot of angry people in my mention saying like, how can you be so critical of Aaron Rodgers? He missed him by like 12 inches. Yeah, that's the difference. <laughs> like that's the difference in the NFL. And when your quarterback is a two-time MVP, four-time MVP, you expect him to make that throw. And if he hits him on the front shoulder, he walks into the end zone. You know, so like there's what? I think they got field goals on both those drives. So that's six points. So, I mean, they left nearly eight points on the board because um, Rodgers wasn't ju- wasn't quite on target. And it's not a knock on Rodgers. It's just like that is what the expectation is. That is the standard is you hit those throws um, because he's that good. And he should hit those throws in his sleep, but uh, but he didn't. And uh, so I, I don't mind. I don't mind the shot play. I don't mind getting the ball to nine. And I was thrilled. And I'll, I'll kick it to Ross with this because I, I was thrilled that the young man had six catches in the first half before leaving um, at halftime. And it would appear that everybody is on board with him being wide receiver one with feed the kid that's your best offense feed the kid what are your thoughts on that ross absolutely i mean we're talking about um the second highest graded offensive player from a pff standpoint um kid had eight targets and a half and i'm not saying they were going to target him 16 times but you know obviously not all of those targets were bombs either um you know there are a couple over routes couple you know uh uh kind of deep slants or post dig type in breakers um, real things like actual parts of the offense, you know, woven into the fabric of what we're actually trying to do. And, and, and that's, you know, um, you just see like the integration. It makes me a little bit sad. Uh, you know, when you think about what was missed after the uh, knee cleanup after OTAs and what was missed the first half of the season. And it's like, they use this kid, excuse me, they use this kid as a gadget player for how long? And he's, you know, now wide receiver run, running real routes to intermediate, short, you know, and obviously deep. They didn't connect deep. Maybe they would have in the second half. I don't know. But, man, um, yeah, great great to see where he is in the game plan. And and, and I, I was, I mean, you know, sad about a couple other deals too, like, how would that game have gone in Buffalo if he doesn't get hurt? How does that game go against Detroit if he doesn't get hurt? He just – he is an individual driver of offense. But I feel like every time we get together, it's the Christian Watson show. Well, before we move on from him, though, too, I, I want to ask you, Ross, um, just because you've covered the young man for seven years uh, or whatever it is, how, what's, your, what's your concern level with the injuries? Is that something that you're just kind of like – Ah, he's just had a rough go of it this year, or is that something that you're like, ah, you know, maybe he is a guy that's going to have to deal with stuff uh, in his career. I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Terrible podcast. What's your your level of concern with the injuries for Christian Watson? Uh, You know, not not super high. I I will say you look at at guys and and not like the uh, David Boston guys where it's artificial – um, but you, you look at guys like Christian 
who are just so ripped and so tightly wound as athletes. And sometimes, you know, those guys was the old joke. You can't pull fat. Uh, You know, sometimes those guys deal with soft tissue stuff occasionally, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I think we've seen this year, folks, I, I obviously don't follow, you know, North Dakota state football, the way that, that we do, uh, we being you and I, Jake, but, um, you know, 52 games played in, in his four-year college career. Uh, so that's that's an average of, uh, I don't know, at least. 13 a year if he played four. Yeah, years. I mean, that's and, – and, and NDSU often has the opportunity to play 15 or 16 games because, you know, they're in the playoff system at that level, not, not a shortened playoff system or not a bowl system, but you still got – 13 games a year, uh, you know, of, of games played, legitimate games played. So uh, he is a kid that has had little things here and there, but ultimately has answered the bell, you know, answered the bell 52 times at North Dakota State. I think as a rule, though, sometimes professional teams just as sort of viewing their players more as assets than a college program does are even more uh, d- despite what one Martellus Bennett would tell you, are even more, uh, you know, conservative. Like, no, let's get you right. Let's get you at 100%, those types of things. So ultimately, you know, like I said, I would I, – I, I feel like a kid that played 52 games in college, I'm not going to be super worried about. Now, on my take on it, and you didn't ask me, but, you know, injuries for the most part, it's luck. Like, I mean, if Watson doesn't get hit on a tunnel screen – you know, concussions, you know, all that sort of stuff. I don't want to minimize the impact of those or anything like that, but it's just an unfortunate situation uh, that he's been in. So that's kind of my thought there. But overall, I think we're kind of in agreement that take the shot. The whole point is to score touchdowns, not get first downs. And the play was there. They just got to make the plays that are that are in front of them. I, I can't remember. I think it was Jair Alexander last year asked, like, about covering guys or whatever. He said, I can only eat what's in front of me. Well, the Packers had what was in front of them, and they refused to eat it for whatever reason yesterday. The other decision I want to get to is as soon as it was 23, 20, it's late in the game. And as soon as it's first and 10 from inside the, you know, 30 yard line, basically in the red zone, I am saying it's four down territory because to me, I know the older school thinking the way Matt LaFleur was thinking is basically make them go down the field and score a touchdown. Well, my take is number one, in the NFL, offense is easier than it's ever been, and that's not a knock on the NFL, but that's just the facts as they are. Number two, when a team is trying to score a touchdown now, they have four downs instead of three to pick up first downs. They're just allowed to be kind of more aggressive by the very nature of what they're trying to chase down the field. If you're up by, you know, if you're up by three, teams are likely to be more conservative. Ross, I think you shared an article from PFF that basically said why this is a bad idea. But as soon as it was there, I was, and when they ran the ball on third down, I was like, okay, they're going for it because that's what makes sense. But I don't know if it's the gas prices or what's going on, but Mr. All gas, no break sure threw on a lot of breaks at the end of the game. And I was, I was not happy with it and I'm not happy with it. Even if green Bay has, you know, the, the modern day version of the steel curtain uh, you know, my, my take in general is when you have the ball, the idea is to make sure that either they don't get it back or that you put the ball in the end zone. And Green Bay had an opportunity for the latter uh, to put the ball in the end zone. And if they do that, the game is over. I don't care what 
Miami does on offense. Onside kicks are almost impossible to recover. Even with this Packers team in this in this day and age, I was absolutely all over. Go for it. I don't care about being up by six points and, quote, make them score a touchdown. I know it worked out, but there are decisions that work out that also aren't the right ones. So, Russ, I think you said barf as it happens, so I'm probably not. But what's your take on why that was a bad decision? Yeah, I mean <sighs> – Obviously, it worked out, right? So you're you're we're already discussing it from a standpoint of hindsight, twenty twenty. Um, but you have Aaron Rodgers. You you don't unfortunately, and and I would just like to say, folks, Aaron Jones is hurt. He's not injured, but he's hurt. I I get that there are times when they don't use him as much as people would like. I understand that it is not lost on me. It is very clear that he is not 100%, and he is on at least a pitch count. And maybe they can't, they being the, the beat writers that, you know, live there, work there, talk every day about this stuff, but, like, no. Maybe apparently someone hasn't been able to get Matt LaFleur to just say it out loud. But to me, it's pretty pretty clear that they would not have split the Jones-Dylan touches in that way. Patrick Taylor was getting third down snaps when they were losing. Like, like I mean, <laughs> I don't I, I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, I, I I understand the frustrations, but let's give the coaching staff a little credit. Like, they are not idiots, I would hope. I, you know, I, whatever. I, anyway, what, what were we even talking about now that my tangent is done? Why the Packers oh, shouldn't have kicked a field yeah, goal at 20 Sure. So you don't have Watson, and that does kind of suck because that's your, your – you could do a lot of things with him either as a decoy or at least as the primary on a play where you need to get three yards. But you have Aaron Rodgers. He's shown multiple times in this game that on a run-pass option or on a scramble, he can get you three yards. So whether it's you try box out Big Dog, run a quick slant to Lazard, run some sort of stupid RPO thing, uh, any any of the above, you're it's get three. And I think you maybe even Jacob made a good point. Uh, rare as they may come, that you said, okay, but just don't run the little play on third and five with Dylan. Treat it as though you have two yards or two plays to make the five yards. The the cow or maybe it wasn't you, I don't know, but someone someone mentioned that the cowardice started on third down, and I I actually kind of agree with that because even on fourth and three, but on third and five, it's like, and maybe you know what, maybe you should say okay. A.J. Dillon, your second-round pick, we're moving the ball pretty well. We need you to be able to get five yards on, with two cracks at it. And and I, I can respect that and understand that a little bit. But I would rather – because basically the season's on the line. Get me three yards. I, it, it, get me three yards. Because, by the way, the, the game doesn't end if you turn the ball over on downs. But – just get me three yards and end the game. That, that's where I'm at with that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Morley? Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're putting... In a roundabout way, you're putting your your faith in the defense either way by going for it and not getting it. Okay, now you still have to put your faith in the defense that they cannot give up a 97-yard touchdown to lose the game, and they can't give up 60 or so yards for a game-tying field goal. Like, you're in a good position, and um, I agree with everything you guys have both said, and so this is kind of boring that we all – kind of agree that we all would have went for it you will you end the game and what it reminded me of is let's say let's say they go down and score and they lose that game that's twice now in the last three years that Matt LaFleur has refused to put the ball in Aaron Rodgers hands in a situation that can make or break the game I'm talking in in playoff type games because make no mistake about it that was a playoff game they played in on Sunday yep. they lose and they're they're pretty much done um but then go back to the Tampa Bay game when they can either kick the field goal or let Aaron Rodgers have a crack at it to tie the game, I believe is what it was. And again, they kicked the field goal both times. So I'm just sitting and, you know, I'm just sitting thinking about how the talking point this offseason is going to be how Matt LaFleur refused to let Aaron Rodgers go win the game twice in the last three years in playoff games and how that's going to be a major talking point this offseason. Now, it worked out. Like, it, it worked out. That's great. Um, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it the way they did it. But, you know, like Ross already said, hindsight is twenty twenty. So, whatever. You know, it worked out for them. I think at that point in the game, I was looking at this today, they had, I believe, after the field goal, like a 93% win chance on ESPN's metric. So if you're playing the metrics, the numbers game, I, I get it. I do. Uh, but it's just – it just let, – let your let your MVP quarterback go win the game. and Or, or A.J. Dillon go win the game. I don't know. Let him let, – let just go out, get your play, say 12 is going to figure it out because uh, more often than not he does. But, uh, but alas, they uh, – Sewell. Sewell saves the day, um, who I don't know. I think what – is that like his third or fourth – game ceiling interception in the last couple of years. I tell you um, what, man, for, for Ja and for Sewell, 
Two guys that are absolutely getting run down on the internet. Uh, they made a hell of a play in the second half. I mean, both of them. Yeah, yeah. They were uh, there. Are some folks ready to to uh, release both outside starting cornerbacks and send them on their way? Uh, and 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 both made some some pretty outstanding plays. And I say this: yes, he should have made a better effort. The Packers are not paying Jair Alexander twenty two million dollars a year to come across the field to make that tackle on Jalen Waddle. They're paying him to make sure that Jalen Waddle doesn't catch it in the first place. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. What's so, the Dion? What's the Dion Sanders quote? Like they don't pay me to tackle. Awesome <laughs> percent they don't pay yeah. me to tackle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the effort certainly should be better, like you mentioned. But yeah, that that's that's the crux of it. The the, the issue that I run into with Matt LaFleur is, you know, you got that first season in that Raiders game and that that quote that goes viral, all gas, no effing breaks. And they are – I've seen it. You know, you saw the NFC title game last year or two years ago against Tampa Bay. You see last year against Cincinnati, LaFleur is playing for field goals in a regular season game against the, against the Bengals where that almost cost them a couple different times. There's just too many instances – of LaFleur kind of reverting back to conservative nature and and trying not to lose the game right there instead of uh, trying to win it. And I thought that that was another example of him trying not to lose the game instead of saying, like Ross said, go end the game. And, and I know this isn't like peak of his powers 2020, 2011 Aaron Rodgers, but that's still Aaron Rodgers. Like that's still – Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, like guys, you should feel good about dialing up. Hey, we need one play with a guy we trust to, to win the game. And they, and they didn't do it. Um, and it's been, that's been an issue I think for, for a couple years and in a couple big instances where Lafleur specifically has been afraid, unwilling, whatever your, whatever your thought process on that is to, to go win the game. So that, that's the way that, that it has worked out. So both of those decisions um, different different results. One worked, one didn't, and I think they were wrong on <laughs> the one that worked and not wrong on the one that didn't. So let's go through that. Let's go through, guys. The Packers are are very squarely in the hunt now. I know we made the jokes when they were four and eight, and they were putting the Packers under the in the hunt part of the, the wild card picture because it's just like, are you freaking kidding me? We've done eulogies on this show at least two separate times uh, that I can think of. The, they're not dead, and. They are not even not dead. They're very much alive. They essentially, they are one result away from controlling their own destiny, whether that is the Cleveland Browns or the Dallas Cowboys beating the Washington Commanders. Uh, and then the Packers would, by winning two games, make the playoffs. That is it. Everything broke their way this weekend, uh, including them winning a game in Miami. And that was the one to me where I was like, I think that Miami, and maybe I was wrong about this, but I think Miami is the best team left on their schedule of those three games. And there was an obvious asterisk, right? As Green Bay hits this two-game winning streak, it's, well, you know, they played Chicago. Chicago is the worst team in the league north of Houston. The Rams are playing with a relative skeleton crew, like we talked about. So you could kind of circle those games and be like, okay, they won. They did what they were supposed to do. That's great. Let's see you do it on the road in Miami. And then they did. They were down 20-10. to 10. They overcome a double-digit deficit on the road against an offense that is incredibly explosive. Um, some discussion today as to whether Tua Tagovailoa is playing injured throughout the course of the game. I'm not going to speculate on injuries, but he played poorly in the second half. Uh, By the Packers, way, it it came out today that he's back in the protocol. 
Right. Which I, again, I don't, like I said, I don't, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. I just don't understand how that keeps happening. Like there, there was a game where Christian Watson was like in the protocol. It was deemed not a concussion, but they still held him out of the game for like precautionary reasons. And it's because of what's happened in Miami this season. I just don't understand how that keeps happening. And then you got Mike McDaniel doing the whole, Oh, well, I care about these guys. I want him for his well-being, blah, blah, blah. But this is the second time he's entered the protocol after a game has ended, if memory serves on that. Someone please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong about that. But the defense shuts him down. Jair Alexander makes a play after – it's an interception he shouldn't have had to make because an egregious no defensive passer. And I'm usually like the guy who sides on let him play. But a full two-arm shove on Alan Lazard, that is asinine to me that that wasn't called defensive pass interference. Uh, but Alexander gets a pick. Drake Campbell makes a play uh, where Tua, I'm not quite sure what was going on there and, and what he was looking at. And Rasul Douglas, where he kind of baited him into a throw and it worked. So kudos to Rasul for catching the ball and even more so for going down so the Packers can yell out the clock. But you go through all this, guys. Minnesota and Detroit, two division games at home for a chance to go to the playoffs. And you'll probably be the seventh seed and you're probably going on the road. Well, you're not probably. You're definitely going on the road. It's just a matter of, is that Minnesota or is it San Francisco? Um, and there's a lot to be decided between now and then for that. But Morley, what is your what was your confidence level that they could finish 3-0 and in these last three games before that Miami game started? And what is your confidence level now that they have won the first one in Miami? Man, I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like we're playing with house money this year, and that's just kind of where we're at. It really is. It, this is such coach speak, but it really is one week at a time for this group right now. Uh, that was kind of the test, you know, because you beat the two teams that aren't very good in Houston and or not Houston, uh, Chicago and L.A. And then Miami's decent, but they've lost four in a row now. You know, they've had some issues and the, they come out and they play a C minus D plus game and win, which is completely against everything that they've done this year. Uh, they've played games where they've played better than that and lost, right? Um, so it just seems like in a year where nothing has really broke their way the entire season, uh, like maybe they're going to get all of that luck, all those balls bouncing the right way in a three-week span for them. I, I don't know. Um, but at this point, it's just kind of a fun ride to go on the next two games. Uh, can they beat Minnesota? Absolutely. Uh, but Minnesota seems like they've been playing with 18 horseshoes up their butt all season, right? And they just continue to get the ball to bounce their way every single every single week. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. And nothing would be more fun and, no, and more successful for this season. And this is going to be a very Vikings-esque take. Um, but that's just kind of where we're at right now when your team has a losing record. Nothing would be better than for them to sneak into the playoffs as the seven seed and upset upset the two seed Vikings at home and send them home. Like I'm not a fan of like hang the banner for non championships, but I would allow that. I would allow that banner to be hung uh, in in Lambeau oh, okay. Field. That'd Stop. be amazing. No, ab- no, absolutely. <laughs> how sweet! Not. How sweet it would be. No, um, no. that whatever. would be awesome. But we're not we're not hanging banners for beating a team in the division that we're supposed to be better than anyways. Nope. I think it was, I'll, uh, I'll hang a banner in my house. Um, you can hang one in your house. That's this fine, is supposed believe, to be fun, Jacob. It's a three and a half point well, favorites. There will be, there will be no, that's the, 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 
They're favorites. They're favorites to win this game. They're, they'll be favorites to win the next two games, but they haven't done very well as favorites this season. I think last time I saw, they're like uh, they're like three and seven favorited this year. So and uh, two, of them, is and two of them are in the last two. Two of their yeah. last three wins. <laughs> the hook to the hook to me is hilarious because that means that Green Bay is a better team on a neutral field. Well, as thin are. as that margin may be, and the half the half a point, yeah. Man, you look at uh, you look at the DVOA numbers, and I know some people love them, some people hate them, but like Green Bay is pretty significantly better. Like they're ninth in DVOA right now. They're, they've just lost every close game, and it is what it is. And Minnesota's won every single one of them. So is that a skill? Is that something that evens out? I guess we'll find out some of that. Uh, this weekend, I, I will say, you know, my confidence level, and I've had some people tell me that I've been far too negative this season. My counter argument has been they were four and eight three weeks ago. What positivity is there to glean from a team that was supposed to be really good that's now four and eight? But they won three in a row to to their credit. They are seven and eight now and, and have a chance to to make the playoffs, which is something that I, I think that you know, I know I was just making jokes about Morley and saying we're not hanging banners for this. But I do think that matters. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this you know process of do they tank? Do they do they try and win? When do they put Jordan Love in? And you know, and now like the Jordan Love thing is done. There's not. I don't think they'll be eliminated after Sunday's game, even if they lose. And depend, I guess that could depend on what happens. But I don't think Jordan Love is going to start. And this is why I kept saying you can't you can't bench the starting quarterback until you're mathematically eliminated, even as slim as that chance may be. Because right now, those slim chances that Green Bay had a few weeks ago keep rising. Uh, and I think it's important because the, the go-to line by a lot of people is that all oh, the floors team, they get punched in the mouth and then they shrivel up and then they just basically die in front of us. And I say like, this is an example of that though. This team was three and six, four and eight. Now they're seven and eight. And if they win the next two games, they're going to be nine and eight riding a five game winning streak to get into the playoffs. That is a, way of overcoming adversity that they haven't done had to do in the Lafleur era, but it was something that was a very common staple of some of the McCarthy teams that were here in, in years past was they were able to overcome those things. Now they haven't had to, like I mentioned, because when you just win every game, there's not much adversity that needs to be overcome because Lafleur's never really had a losing streak before this season. So my confidence level is, is much higher than it was. Like I said, I think the best team they were going to play these last three is Miami Maybe I'm wrong about that. Minnesota certainly has some things that can make the Packers, you know, have some severe issues. Justin uh, Jefferson. Just, Justin Jefferson's very good. Obviously, we know that. Um, they've struggled against the run game. Dalvin Cook is still very good. Minnesota's offense is explosive. Uh, LaFleur talked about them today. TJ Hawkinson's coming off maybe the best game of his career. Um, you know, then the way to kind of beat Kirk Cousins in his career has been to put him under pressure. The Packers don't do that all that well. And the big thing for me on offense is, and I know it's kind of ridiculous that this is the way that we're talking about him, but it's true, is can Christian Watson play? And if Watson's able to go, you know, the offense, Ross said, it's, it's fundamentally different, and it is, because when he's not able to play, there is no, oh, this guy can beat us for 60 and a touchdown. Every drive has to be 12 plays, 80 yards, and a touchdown. And it's, I just, Green Bay has really struggled this year with the, inability to go through drives like that without making crucial mistakes. And I just don't know if that's something they're going to be able to do if, if Watson's not out there. And then you have, you know, this Minnesota defense. The other big one is 
Bakht- one of the two tackles, Bakhtiari or Yosh Nyman, has to be able to play because otherwise it's going to be Royce Newman with Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And Zadarius' return to Green Bay may have a 2019 against Minnesota type of feel to it in Minnesota when he just wrecked the entire Vikings offensive game plan for that particular evening. But that being said, why not? <laughs> why not? Why not Green Bay? Like, do I think that they're going to win the rest of their games and then go beat San Francisco and then Philadelphia and then who knows who they'd play in the NFC title game if they did that to go and win a Super Bowl? No, that doesn't seem likely. But can you take success out of a season when you started three and six, four and eight, win and make the playoffs? I've said the culture in Green Bay is very good. And that was a legitimate question when they got to three and six and everything surrounding this team was just bad. They're coming off the worst loss of their season against Detroit all all the way down the line. The question of Ken Matt LaFleur, is Matt LaFleur fake good, Ken Swanson? I think the answer is that Matt LaFleur is good. And I think that's a positive for this Packers team because as you go into 2023, I still think that's where the majority of your positives you're going to try and look at moving forward is Matt LaFleur kept this team together. Aaron Rodgers, the leadership group on this team, kept this team together. For even if even if they lose these last two games, to be honest with you, finishing seven and ten. If I had told you Morley Ross when they were three and six, hey, they're going to actually have a chance to make the playoffs. They're just going to lose a game against Minnesota, and then the last game of the season, Detroit's playing for something. Green Bay's not, so Detroit wins that game, and they finish seven and ten. You'd be like, I don't know how likely that is. Who knows? But the way the season has gone, but my confidence level is higher than it has been. I'm picking Green Bay to win on Sunday, so. Take that if you guys want to go with that. But I think Green Bay wins on Sunday. I'm doing that assuming, like I said, that Watson and one of the tackles plays. But, Ross, what's your confidence level that this Packers team can beat Minnesota and Detroit and get to the postseason? Uh, about a six. I, th- I, th- I mean, they are better than the Vikings. I just – I've – I think well, a lot of it has to just do with, like, living where I do too. I mean, um, their fans are such awful little brother – Packers obsessed human beings that it it sucks when the Vikings win. So there's always like this fear, <laughs> not yeah. necessarily fear of the Vikings, but just fear of having to deal with it all. Um, but man, you look at this from like a DVOA standpoint. You look at this from uh, betting standpoint. Like minus three and a half is a pretty big implied win probability, to be honest. And I they should win. Um, but there have been certainly times where they have not done that when, when they should. And it does, it does feel like, you know, we, we've talked all, well, I've talked ad nauseum about just feeling like there's no light at the end of this tunnel. And, and a lot of that for me, honestly, is the Rashawn Gary injury. Um, much like Clay Matthews in 2010, I felt like, although Preston Smith is playing his butt off flat out, but, um, I've always felt like there was no light at this, the end of this tunnel that like it, you know, you, something bad was, was there, there was no way that something great was going to be the last thing that happened for the Packers this season, just because without Gary, I don't, I don't know how they do it, but uh, maybe, maybe as simple as beating, beating the Vikings, beating the lions. And then, Beating Brock Purdy and the 49ers in, in round one. Maybe, maybe that can be the magical moment for this team. And I tell you what, if they beat Minnesota, I have a lot of confidence that they'll beat Detroit just because it's Rodgers, it's Lambeau Field, it's January. It's, I, I just, 
one team that wins most of those games, one team that's famous for not winning most of those games. Yeah, I I really do think this is the one to get to get across. This is the one to this is the box to check. And obviously, they do still need some help. And uh, man, you go back to some of those games that they lost, and it's like, geez, where this team could be with two more wins, where this team could be with one more win. You know. Uh, <laughs> New York against teams. I think they've proven yeah. to be better York, than here. Commanders, down the Detroit and Detroit. Like you, you go through some of those and it just, uh, man, but maybe, you know, maybe what could have been is, is what draws Rogers in for one more rodeo. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. That, yeah, that they, part is for an off season podcast. Go ahead, Morley. Well, that's just, that's the whole point, right? Is what's the light at the end of the tunnel for this team? I don't know. Like I mean, it, it would be it would be objectively hilarious if this was the team that went on a, a run and won it all, right? I mean, we could all appreciate how funny that would be, just because as far as talent, it, well, I mean, this is a pretty talented roster, so I don't know. But but in, in any case, I mean, we've talked about this before, and um, I was very much team like when things were bad like real bad, like set, losing seven of eight. I was very much team play Jordan love, see what you have in him, start planning for the future. But when you talk about like culture and you talk about building for something in the future, this is what you want. And, and I think it's been so impressive for this group of group of men to go out and continue to play for each other and continue to play for their coaches um, and their fans and, and, and not give up on a season where we had given up on the season. And that's why we're not in the building. You know, that's why I'm not the coach of the Packers uh, because I would have done it very differently. And the culture that I would build for the Packers, probably not as good as what Matt LaFleur has built for the Packers. And, and that's good. You know, that's, that's what you look at for this team. That's the light at the end of the tunnel. Like what, what Ross said, you know, I, I do think Rogers is back for one more year. And I think that's probably it. Um, and I think this season, the way they're going to end it, uh, is probably going to be just enough of a spark for him to want to at least be curious enough to see what one more run would look like with this team. And we'll see. And, and that's really when I think you put all the chips in the table uh, like they have the last couple of years. You continue to do it. You do it one more time. Uh, you inject some new life into this roster. You let these young guys, this draft class that's been unbelievable, um, get another year under their belt. Hopefully you get another big draft class next year, and then who knows? Who knows? And that's kind of – this is kind of the team of who knows. Um, but it's been bleak at times. It's been really dark this season at times to think about the future of this team. Um, and I think with Matt LaFleur at the helm – I think there's always there's always a glimmer of hope. There is always a glimmer of hope when you have someone like him that can get a team uh, that has had every reason to quit uh, to keep playing, and that's exciting for Packers fans that they have they have the right guy leading the ship right now in Green Bay. I truly believe that. Yeah, I, I believe that as well, and I, I do think the questions were fair because again, we've never seen it before. Like. You know, when everything is sunshine and rainbows from the second Lafleur walks in the door, every I mean, thirty nine wins in three seasons. It was it was historic for a reason. That means it hasn't been done very often. So, I think you got to feel good about the situation that Green Bay's in. Uh, regardless, I can tell you that 
from just my perspective, I feel like from the off season's perspective, I will be a lot more optimistic about it than I was coming into the, I mean, there's a tweet that Ross yelled at me for around something that said like, unless the Packers win the Super Bowl, and I put in parentheses, they aren't. And then he was like, well, that's a great attitude. But that's just kind of how I always felt about this year's team. With the, And I hope that there are some mistakes that they have learned from. Um, and, and, and it's going to be hard to undo all of that in one offseason. But, you know, those are offseason topics. But I do hope that there are mistakes from building this year's team that they learned from and, and kind of move forward from there. And that includes Matt LaFleur. That includes Brian Gutekunst. That includes Aaron Rodgers. That includes a lot of people. Um, in terms of some of those mistakes. So there's a lot to happen between now and then, but it's all positive right now. The Packers have won three games in a row. Maybe it doesn't look the prettiest all the time, but I can tell you as somebody who sat through the losses to Detroit and Buffalo and Philadelphia, and Philadelphia was even a quote-unquote pretty loss if you think about it from a scoreboard perspective, but still sucks. Losing sucks. And Ross, I think you put it best. I think this is why... This is better than tanking because losing is an infectious disease. And that's something you talk about your friends that are Viking fans. That's something I've been trying to tell my friends that are bear fans is now you are one year in to Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, and you're going to be the first or second worst team in the NFL. Now that's not impossible to dig out of. There's certainly some opportunity there for Chicago, but how much can those players believe in guys that are like, when you look up at it, they're like, Hey, we're three and 14. That's that's hard to come out of. You know, the Packers haven't been that bad literally in my life. Uh, four and 12 is the worst season I could think of going through. And that was something that they went four and 12. They fired Mike Sherman. They went whatever the hell their record was with McCarthy in 2018. They fired him. They're not going to fire Matt LaFleur. But it's because they're not going to go three and 14. Like, had they gone three and 14, I don't think they would have done it. But that was on the table if they had done that. Because it's just hard to overcome that. It's hard to overcome once losing seeps into your locker room because the roster, they talk about the turnovers and all that sort of stuff every year. And I'm going on a tangent, but it is hard to overcome being a bad football team because then you go into the next year and you still have that like seep of doubt. You know, are we any good? Can we do this? Is this the right guy to lead us? Is that the right guy to lead us? Is this player even any good? Can I trust this guy? All that sort of stuff. So it's positive. It's all good right now. The Packers have a chance to do something that I don't think any of us expected them to be able to do. And it starts on Sunday at 325 at Lambeau Field against Minnesota. And and that's where their season started. And we're hoping that that is not where their season ends. So I want to thank you guys for listening to this version of the Pack-A-Day podcast. We went a little longer. We haven't uh, we haven't been all been together in a while. But you can check us out on Twitter uh, at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Like, subscribe. Uh, subscribe on the YouTube channel. We are dangerously close to 10,000 subscribers. That would be a very nice number to hit before the start of the new year, uh, which is on Sunday uh, when the Packers, it'll be 2022 so, or 2023, excuse me, when, when they take on the Minnesota Vikings. So that'll be fun. Uh, go through all that. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow Morley. He's at Jacob Morley and Ross is at Ross. i thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week. Hopefully talking about a team that is a win and in type of situation. So if you want a rooting guide, you are rooting for the Cleveland Browns this weekend, my friends to beat the Washington commanders. Hope that whatever decision Ron Rivera makes between Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke is the wrong one. Get a win for the Packers over the Vikings, and it is win and in with a home game. I think you'd take that if you could. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. 